On June 16th, at the St. Petersburg International Economic Forum, the Russian-American political scientist Dmitry Symes asked Vladimir Putin a question, or maybe really more of a comment, about how it's hard for the West to understand Moscow's constant claims that Ukraine is run by Nazis. In his response, Putin said that his many lifelong Jewish friends have told him that Ukraine's President Zelensky is, quote, not Jewish, but a disgrace to the Jewish people. Then on September 5th, Putin said in an interview that Zelensky's, quote, Western handlers put an ethnic Jew in charge of Ukraine to mask the country's anti-human nature. And then just last week, at the Eastern Economic Forum in Vladivostok, Putin was asked about reports that his longtime former advisor Anatoly Chubais, who resigned shortly after Russia invaded Ukraine in 2022, had fled to Israel. Putin said that he had been shown some photos of Chubais from the internet that showed him there in Israel, and that in Putin's words, Anatoly Chubais is no longer Anatoly Chubais, but some sort of Moisha Israelovich. I'm today's host, Sam Brazil, the senior news editor for Medusa's English language edition, and you're listening to The Naked Pravda. Russia's history is full of anti-Semitism, but while I could be wrong, I couldn't remember Putin himself making so many comments that were so blatantly anti-Semitic, at least so closely together in the past. I wouldn't put it past him, but I don't remember it. Luckily for me, professional historian Artyom Yefimov recently wrote about Putin and anti-Semitism for Medusa's Russian language signal newsletter, where he serves as the editor-in-chief. I asked Artyom about anti-Semitism in today's Russia, the Soviet Union's policies and Putin's youth that may have influenced his views of Jewish people, and why he seems to be reaching for anti-Semitic stereotypes at this specific point in the war. Stay tuned for my conversation with Artyom Yefimov. So my first question for you is, is this new? Has Putin made similarly anti-Semitic comments in the past, or is this really sort of a new phenomenon? I don't really remember anything like this. Generally speaking, there are a lot of things that you may accuse Putin of, but he most certainly is not this cross-burning zoological ethnic nationalist. That he is not. He does share some stereotypes and some prejudices about the Jewish people, probably the Blacks, the Asians, and so on. From time to time, it comes up as a sort of a slip of a tongue. But let's put it this way. He never makes political decisions based on these stereotypes or prejudices. He does occasionally shows some sort of prejudice. But to say that he is some sort of a rabid xenophobe, no. So the quote that I referenced, Zelensky isn't Jewish, he's a disgrace to the Jewish people, that was in response to a question about how the West fails to understand Moscow's claims that Ukraine is run by fascists or Nazis, um, since, you know, to me, to most Westerners, it doesn't make any sense because Ukraine's president is Jewish. Um, so before we get into Putin's history and everything, um, I want to ask you if there's something that Westerners fail to understand about Russians' conception of Nazis, of fascists, do Russians think of something different when they imagine Nazis? Because, for example, when I was in school, we basically learned in the U.S. that Nazis are uniquely bad because they targeted Jews in such a systematic and cruel way. For the Russians, certainly, through schools, through popular culture and wherever, of course, the Nazis are the absolute evil, pretty much like for 
or the Westerners, but this difference, this specific difference with the perception of, of the Holocaust in the Soviet Union, in the Soviet propaganda, and in the post-Soviet propaganda as well. There was never any specific emphasis on the Holocaust, on the targeting of the Jewish people. The Nazis were enemies of all humanity. They wanted to kill everyone. They thought of everyone, of the Russians, the Ukrainians, of everyone as subhuman. There never was this emphasis on the anti-Semitism of the Nazis. There were several, I would say, scandals in the Soviet Union and in the post-Soviet times when some Jewish organizations tried to put up some sort of a monument, if I remember correctly, it was in Stoff on the Don. There was a place where a lot of Jews were uh, shot. And when they tried to put up a monument there with the specific reference to this place as the place where the Jews were murdered, there was a huge backlash. Because the basic idea is, why do you single out the Jews? They also killed people because they were Slavs, because they were communists, because they were something else. So there is no understanding that, of course, the Nazis were bad people, but they were very specifically bad against the Jews, and it was something different. There is no notion of this, very little notion of this. So probably it comes from there, from the Soviet notion that national identity, religious identity is secondary. In the ideal Soviet propaganda world, the Nazis hated the Soviet people. They did not hate specifically the Russians or the Jews or anyone else. They hated Soviet people because they were right-wing and they were capitalist, chauvinistic pigs, as opposed to the progressive and beautiful Soviet Union. I think that because of this, the perception of the Holocaust and of anti-Semitism is somewhat different in Russia and in the West. Yeah, I think that gets lost in translation a lot in commentary about the war. We think we're all talking about the same thing, but we're really not. So what, what do we know about anti-Semitic feelings and beliefs among Russians today? Just ordinary Russian people in Russia? Well, there were several surveys done in, uh, in 2016 and in 2021, among others. And the sort of big secret, I'm putting air quotes here, is that there is no, let's call it, Jewish question in Russia. Russia is generally speaking quite xenophobic, but anti-Semitism is not some sort of big problem. Let's put it this way. Of course, there is some anti-Semitic sentiment in Russia, as probably anywhere where there are a substantial number of Jewish people. But there were some incidents, like some mentally unstable person attacking a synagogue or something like this. But it happened mostly in the 2000s. And ever since, I cannot remember any outbursts of this kind. There is, there is a very specific, a very marginal sort of anti-Semitic literature going around. The protocols of the elders of, the, of Zion is still reprinted in some dark corners, let's put it this way. But 
from all we know from the sociological surveys of the last something like 10 years, we know that the Russian public in general does not have any specific animosity towards the Jewish people. Generally speaking, they do not mind if their children marry the Jews. They do not mind if there are Jews among their colleagues or neighbors or whatever. The Jews are just one of many peoples living next to us, and that's fine. There are some very specific sentiments towards, for example, towards people from the Central Asia. They are migrants, they come here to take our jobs and, and so on and so forth, but not towards the Jews, generally speaking. Israel is just is just another country. Some of them are wearing funny hats and this long kaftans, but okay, that's their thing. It does not, generally speaking, cause any particular animosity towards them. Even the World Zionist Organization in 2022 underscored that in the last 10 years, there was a stable decline in anti-Semitic sentiments and anti-Semitic outbursts in Russia. So things got normalized, let's call it this. So basically, Russia as a, as a country, as a people, is not particularly and specifically anti-Semitic, from what we know from the sociological surveys. Your Signal piece cited a Levada Center researcher who said, the strongest anti-Semitism in Russia is among the elites. Do you have any theory or any idea why that might be? As a matter of fact, I do. First of all, the Russian elites, including Vladimir Putin himself, consists mostly of people who were born in the 50s and who were raised in the 70s when the situation was much different. There was a state anti-Semitism in the Soviet Union. A lot of them, including Putin, worked at the KGB and one of many aims of the KGB was suppressing the Jewish movement, the Zionist movement in the Soviet Union. And there was, at the time, in the 70s, there was a very specific, a very particular anti-Semitic sentiment spread out in the Soviet society. And I guess the problem is that Putin and a lot of people around him were isolated from the Russian society for the past, oh, I don't know, 20, 30 years. And when they last had any direct contact with the Russian society, there still was some remaining anti-Semitic sentiment there. The society has changed since then, but they did not. And so they sort of hold these views from 20, 30, 50 years ago still. So you anticipated my next question. Putin was born, if I'm not mistaken, in 52, just a year before Stalin's death. So he was born into the world that Stalin had created, including the anti-Jewish, anti-cosmopolitanism campaign of the late 40s and purges targeting Jewish people in official positions. What would Putin have heard about Jewish people growing up, you know, from state propaganda, from state messaging, maybe from other adults, his parents, I don't know. The Soviet state anti-Semitism in the 50s, the 60s, especially after Stalin's death, is a very peculiar beast, let's put it this way. Officially, of course, there could not be any anti-Semitic 
any sort of nationalist politics in the in the Soviet Union. All the nations are equal, we are all brothers, and so on and so forth. However, the official position of the of the Soviet state was anti-Zionism. So the opposition towards the idea of Zionism, the idea of gathering of all the Jewish people from all around the world in their historical homeland in Israel. So to put it very simply and very bluntly, there were the good Jews and the bad Jews. The bad Jews are those who are Zionists. They are literally Zionists, they hold the Zionist views, or they are alleged Zionists. Those for whom their national and religious Jewish identity is the most important. Those are bad Jews. They were heavily discriminated against, they were fired from their jobs, they did not get promotions, they could not get any good education, and so on and so forth. The good Jews are those for whom their class identity, their Soviet patriotism and class identity, is more important than their national or religious identity. So, in practice, it almost never worked, because there is a saying in Russian, you may be targeted not because of your passport, but because of how you look. And it applies to this situ situation as well. You may be discriminated against not because of your views, because who knows what your views are. But if you have a stereotypical Jewish nose, for example, you very well may be in trouble simply because you're probably Jewish, so you're probably Zionist. So here goes. Officially, it was never recognized that there is any uh, anti-Semitism. The Soviet state always underscored their utter respect to the Jews, but they had problem with the Zionists. In practice, however, any Jew was viewed as a Zionist or a potential Zionist. And there was another thing. First of all, of course, this all was layered on top of a very long history of anti-Semitism in Russia. There is a reason why I don't have to translate the word pogrom when I speak English. This is the Russian word that came into international use I guess after Kishinev, after the Kishinev pogrom, which is 1906 or something like this. So this anti-Zionist policy was a sort of a new dress for this old anti-Semitic sentiment in Russia. Russia, up until the Second World War, the Soviet Union was the country with, with the biggest Jewish population in the world. After that, Holocaust, the creation of Israel, now it changed. There is still a quite substantial Jewish population in Russia, but by far the Russian Jewish population is not the biggest in the world anymore. There was another aspect to it. When the state of Israel was created in 1948, almost every founding fathers and mothers of Israel were Russian-born. David Ben-Gurion, Golda Meir, Moshe Sharet, Chaim Weizmann. All of them were born in the Russian Empire mostly in Poland, Belarus, and Ukraine, which were then parts of the Russian Empire. They all spoke Russian, with the exception of Golda Meir. They all had a lot of ties with the Bolsheviks, because they often studied in the same Jewish schools as children. They spent time in the same prisons 
when there were political activists in the Russian Empire. They published their articles in Russian in the same journals and so on. And almost all of them, including Ben-Gurion, Meir, Sharet, and so on, almost all of them were leftists. They were socialists. And so when the state of Israel was created, there was a very brief but very intense honeymoon between Israel and the state of Israel. It was assumed by Stalin and by almost everyone in the West as well that those Russian-born socialists will create a state that will be effectively another Soviet Republic in the Middle East. It did not turn out this way. And there was probably, on top of everything else, on top of anti-Semitism, anti-Zionism, and so on, there was a huge resentment from Stalin, from people around Stalin, that those Russian-born socialists did not do what they were expected to do. And so probably this resentment was the trigger for the anti-Semitic campaigns that started in 1949. So a year after the creation of the state of Israel. By the time Putin came of age, by the time he became a student and then signed up to serve in the KGB, this policy was established and quite old. He joined the KGB in something like 1975. By this time, there was the Six Days War of 67. There was the Yom Kippur War of the 70, of 1973. Israel, by that time, became the crucial ally of the United States in the Middle East. So, on top of all these old traditions of anti-Semitism, now there was a sort of a geopolitical dimension to all of this. Any Jew might be Zionist, and any Zionist might be an agent of the U.S., of the enemy. However, Putin does have Jewish friends, and at least two of them, Arkady and Boris Rotenbergs, are his childhood friends back from the 60s. So his views are quite progressive for a person from the Soviet Union of the 70s. Uh, having Jewish friends might have been problematic back then, especially for a person working in the KGB. But still, he does have some Jewish friends. So probably all of this anti-Zionist propaganda and so on, probably he did, did not take it that seriously. By the mid-70s, almost no one did. Probably he was a conscious progressive original thinker who thought it was just bullshit. Probably it was because he knew the Rottenbergs. He knew the, that there were normal, common Soviet guys, his friends, who were not Zionists or agents or whatever. I don't know. But still, we have to give Putin some credit for having Jewish friends back in the times when it could cause him some trouble. Again, the problem is his views on the subject probably did not change very much ever since. And what was quite progressive and quite open-minded in the Soviet Union and in the 70s, by now is just cringy, xenophobic. You're the first person I've ever heard call Putin progressive, I think, in my life. <laughs> in a very specific uh, sense. So a couple more questions. 
Um, you mentioned briefly that Putin, it seems to me, has sort of an admiration for the state of Israel as well. Can you talk about that briefly? Putin respects uh, the state of Israel very much. He's keen to, to show it. I think that mostly because he respects force and he respects the ability to do what has to be done. Again, air quotes here. For Putin, as for many Russian nationalists or nationalists all around the world, I don't mean the Ku Klux Klan or Nazi-type nationalists, but sort of Pacific nationalists, Israel is the model nation-state. And this is why they respect it, even if begrudgingly, even if they hold some anti-Semitic sentiment, they have to admire the ability of the Jewish people to create such a state for themselves. Israel for 75 years now exists in a hostile environment. Almost all of Israel's neighbors are his enemies, or at the very least, not its friends. Uh, there were several big wars involving Israel. Israel does not shy away from invading, occupying, outright annexing territories from their neighbors. Then Israel is not very much moved by widespread international condemnation about this because they do what has to be done, air quotes again. They would do anything to protect their citizens and their state. And this is probably Putin's ideal of a state. In many ways, this is how he would like Russia to be. We go in, we occupy something, and to hell with everyone who cries about occupation or anything else. Of course, this is a false equivalency. The position of Israel and the security situation of Israel and of Russia are very, very different. But to Putin, it looks somewhat similar, or at least he wants it to be similar. And there is another aspect to it, which is sort of more speculative and psychological. But still, during Putin's lifetime, there was this shift in stereotypes about the Jewish people. When he was growing up in the 50s and the 60s, the stereotypical Jewish person is probably an old man from a shtetl who is uh, afraid of the next pogrom. By now, the stereotypical Jewish person is a guy or a girl with a machine gun who does what has to be done, again, air quotes. And this transformation of stereotypes, of course, again, those are stereotypes. They are a way to oversimplify reality to the point of distortion. But still, the very transformation of the stereotypes is uh, something that probably impressed Putin and many people of his generation. There is this idea of the rebirth of the effectively recreation of the not just the creation of the country, but the recreation, re-establishing of the people. And probably, again, I'm just speculating here. I'm not sure there is no evidence for this, but I try to reconstruct the psychological background to this. This is probably something he would like to see in Russia. A stereotypical Russian person, what? A babushka, something yeah. like this. He would probably love to have some other Russian stereotype instead of this. And again, the state of Israel 
is a model for this. So at the beginning of our conversation, you said you're fairly certain Putin is not motivated by any deep, sincere anti-Semitism. He doesn't make any policy decisions motivated by ethnic hatred or anything like that. But it seems to me he's totally willing to exploit stereotypes, take advantage of anti-Semitic stereotypes um, when he wants to justify something that he's doing or mobilize society. It sounds similar to the Soviet government. Can you talk about how, how he's doing that now in Ukraine? Maybe the reason for his anti-Semitic statements lately. The thing is, Putin does not have any ideology. And so he may use anything. He may use Marxist rhetoric, right-wing rhetoric, nationalist, uh, whatever. Anything that suits his, his purpose at this very moment. So, like, he was very respectful of, of Ukraine for some time. But now that he's in war with Ukraine, there are all those stereotypes about the Ukrainians. They are on full display now. They, like, they took it out of a dustbin or something. He probably does not really deeply believe in any stereotypes about the Jews, but he's ready to use them at this very particular moment to answer a very specific question about Zelensky's Jewish heritage. He's very respectful of the Chinese people, of the Chinese culture and so on, because C is his ally and so on. I would not be even a little surprised if tomorrow there will be some some falling out between them and we will hear about the Chinese menace or worse, the yellow menace back from 100 years ago. I would not be surprised by this. Like now that Armenia is moving away from, from Russia in terms of geopolitics, all of a sudden we hear about, again, some offensive stereotypes about the Armenians being broadcasted. So this is a purely situational uh, thing. It is not based on any deep and systematic beliefs, I think. I think it is mostly opportunistic. Thanks for tuning in, folks. This has been The Naked Pravda, a podcast from Medusa in English. Remember that undesirable status back in Russia means our entire news outlet now relies on readers and listeners around the world to support our work. Please visit our website for information about how to become a contributor with one-time or recurring pledges. Thanks again. Until next week.